It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Aha, ha, ha, ha. What it do, baby? Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 749 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, July the 24th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean, and you can find the show wherever it is you get your podcasts. Also, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network as sports return. We've got lots of great stuff as we've gone back daily. Uh, if you are a Blue Jays fan, you got Locked On Blue Jays with AJ Andrews as they uh, finally have a home in Buffalo and are playing a game as we speak right now, please go and listen to that. And uh, again, if there's a show on the network that you want to support, please subscribe to, rate, and review. It is very much appreciated when you take the time to do that. All right, on today's show, this is my second attempt at recording a podcast after the Raptors beat the Houston Rockets 94-83 in their first NBA bubble pre-restart scrimmage. Uh, I recorded 30 minutes worth of a podcast and then realized I had not pressed record, and this is what I get for trying to record a podcast after a couple drinks. Uh, But hey, I wanted to have a couple drinks. This was a celebratory evening. As weird and unsettling as the strange, like, crowdless basketball environment is, it was really, really nice to watch the Raptors play basketball again, man. It was really nice to just fire off dumb tweets. It was really nice to watch sort of communally with all the people. And it was uh, it was a nice return to normalcy just a little bit. While nothing is even close to being normal, it just uh, it felt pretty, pretty nice. And uh, so, yeah. 
I screwed up, and I know I'm recording the second edition of the podcast, which, in theory, should be better than the first, because I already know what it is I'm going to try to say. Uh, with that, uh, we're going to talk about sort of just the different dudes who played in this game for the Raptors and what we saw from them. Uh, you know, there's not much to take from a game like this, obviously, when very little defense is being played by the Houston Rockets. Of course, the Raptors play defense because they're psychos and maniacs and will play defense uh, at all times in a hurricane, whatever it is. They love playing defense. It's their shit. Anyway. Uh, we, like there's again you can't draw sweeping conclusions or anything like that but we can certainly go through the box score and just kind of pinpoint some guys who stood out in particular and we should probably start of course we'll get to Pascal Siakam and Serge Ibaka and Fred Van Vliet and Norm Powell and Terrence Davis and all that but we have to start of course with Kyle freaking Lowry who just decided to show up to the scrimmage and treat it as though it were a regular mid-season basketball game in which he tries to crawl under people and take charges and uh, be a maniac and scream at refs, of course. Uh, duh. Uh, yeah, he was everything in this game. He played 19 minutes, 11 points, 3 boards, 4 assists, 2 of 4 from the field, 1 of 2 from downtown, 6 of 8 from the line, and just doing all that Kyle Lowry stuff that we know and love, um, talking to refs, taking a charge on James Harden like it was the All-Star game. Uh, the, the last two charges he's taken on James Harden have been in utterly meaningless games, which is the most Kyle Lowry shit of all time. And he also hit this like in, insane three at the buzzer at the end of the second quarter that kicked a whole lot of ass as well. And it's just, man, there's nothing cool about what's going on. Everything sucks right now. Like the, the 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 state of Florida is in a constant state of chaos, and they just given up on the virus, and it sucks. That said, if you're looking for reasons to be excited that this bubble thing is happening, Kyle Lowry is one of them, and getting to watch Kyle Lowry play basketball, and and by extension, this entire team, this team that deserves a finish to this season. But Kyle Lowry is chief among them. Kyle Lowry was the driving force of this year's team, and he brought that same energy to this game, and. You know, I, I think I'm really encouraged as well just by the way he looked. He was so fast. He was so sharp. You know, you never expect him to lose any of that cerebral edge, of course, but like physically he looks great. Uh, and I think, you know, again, nothing is good about the pandemic. The pandemic is objectively terrible and bad. But if there is sort of a silver lining from it all, it is the fact that, you know, as it relates to the Raptors, at least, that Kyle Lowry was carrying an enormous burden this season. We saw it, you know, the the, the dudes who were out of the lineup, the constant sort of him having to put the team on his back, especially in that stretch from late December into late January when they were missing Powell, Siakam, and Gasol, three of their main initiators on offense. And Kyle was really sort of, we saw it in the game against the Pacers and the Mavericks and the Celtics and all these games just putting a lot of energy into getting these wins for the Raptors which is again extremely Kyle Lowry stuff and he, he just he just doesn't know how to not play at 100 but I was sort of a little bit concerned just the, the minutes he was playing and just sort of the the flashbacks I had to 2014-15 where DeMar DeRozan obviously missed a ton of time that season Kyle is an unbelievable during the time he's out carries the team to a ton of wins and then kind of starts to break down over the course of the year just because he was carrying too much of a burden. He was playing like 40 minutes a game, and it just wasn't sustainable. And it just by the end of the season, he had no lift. He barely had any legs left to speak of. His back was shot, and we know exactly what happened in the 2015 playoffs. We don't need to go there again. But with this break, 
it seems as though Kyle's just like hitting the ground running and looking fresh and spry and all those things. And it's quite exciting to see uh, that he just, he, he looks like himself and he looks like the Kyle Lowry who is over everything and who um, just, just kind of always has the game in the palm of his hand. And just a lot of confidence that I have in just him being at the helm of this team. He's a winner now. Like he, he's got the the playoff experience, the the championship experience under his belt. Like he just doesn't seem phased by anything any wet anymore. The way maybe you could argue he was back in the day uh, before you know breaking through last season. Um, and I just think if you're looking at the Eastern Conference right now. He's the best point guard in the East. Like, I'm not worried about any other point guard in the Eastern Conference right now. Kemba Walker, no. Ben Simmons is a power forward now. Shake Milton, no. Malcolm Brogdon, good, but no. Um, You know, Jimmy Butler, I guess, is like sort of the lead guard for the Heat, but not really. And, you know, Kyle Lowry's just as maniacal as that guy is, too. And it can actually shoot threes. Um, You know, I just, I don't see a point guard who matches up to Kyle right now. And I just think, as we talked about yesterday with Yasmin, it just seems so... Like, it's so calming to know that he is the guy running the show and that when things get tight in the playoffs, if, you know, things get sticky in the half court like we discussed yesterday, we know that there is a Kyle Lowry sort of brain genius moment coming at some point to sort of open things up. Maybe he realizes, oh, we got to get out running. We got to push the pace because that's when we're better. That's when we score. Um, You know, that that's just it's wonderful to see him looking the way he does and that inspires a lot of confidence in how he's going to carry himself into the postseason and the fact that there's only eight games to lead up here and they're probably not going to be all that high stress and he kind of just hit the playoffs and kind of early season Kyle Lowry form that should be a scary sight for anybody because Kyle Lowry at full physical health is uh is a nightmare to play against as everybody well knows uh who watches this team so that was the big takeaway from this game for me Kyle Lowry's great Above everything, all of that continues to be exactly himself, and it was uh, great to see all the different layers of Kyle Lowry in this game. Uh, We're going to talk about some of the other guys from the game and and sort of what they did across the box score in just a second. But again, just a reminder, please make sure you're checking out the other Toronto shows as sports come back. Locked on Leafs, Locked on Blue Jays. Fire them up on your podcast providers and get the scoop on the Toronto sports teams as we gear up for the return of sports. For all those teams, we could be looking at all three teams winning championships this season. It's that weird. Who knows? Uh, yeah, the Jays aren't going to do it, but they'll be fun. They're going to hit dingers. I think they won tonight. That's fun. Um, yeah, make sure you're, uh, you're you're subscribing to those shows because they're great. And as you know, Mike and AJ, the hosts of those shows, were on this show last Friday. If you want to go and check out the Toronto Sports Roundtable, if you have not yet done so. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's dive into some of the other guys in the Raptors box score from today. You know, the couple of notes are just sort of on sort of the guys you expect good things from. Pascal Siakam looked pretty solid. I mean, a little bit sort of uh, iffy with his playmaking. He had five turnovers to no assists in this game. Not terribly concerned about that. That's not something he's really struggled with over the last little part uh, of at least before the pause. Like he, he his playmaking was coming along quite nicely and he was 
bringing those assist numbers up, the turnover numbers were going down, and I'm not too concerned. It just kind of seemed like rust for me. Same with the 0 for 3 from downtown. He had 13 points. He got out in the run really, really well in transition. Him and OG have that great chemistry when they get on the run. Um, and speaking of OG, you know, he didn't look great offensively necessarily. He was only 1 of 4, 2 of 6 from the field, but a couple nice passes here and there. And his defense remains uh, OG's defense. He had one in particular excellent stop on James Harden near the end of the second quarter that led to that Kyle Lowry prayer three that was incredible to end the half. And so, uh, yeah, those two on the run, Siakam and OG, as deadly and terrifying and wonderful as ever. Really fun stuff to watch. Um, as far as Pascal, I mean, yeah, I'd like to see maybe him sort of work that mid-range stuff a little bit more, use these scrimmages as, as a bit more of an experimental time because that mid-range game is going to be really important, obviously, for what he's going to do. We know exactly what he can do in the post. We know he's a great pull-up shooter uh, and a great catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, but can he uh, sort of work that mid-range? And that is, uh, again, that might not come this season. If that's the case, he just kind of live with it, and that's fine. He's in his first year of figuring this thing out as number one option he's not supposed to have all the elements figured out right away but if these games mean nothing and even if the eight games before the playoffs mean not that much I wouldn't mind seeing him tinker around and screw around a little bit and have some fun with uh, some mid-range stuff that's kind of all I'm really looking for there we did not see Marcus Gasol or Patrick McCaw in this game. Uh, I'm assuming Gasol is just sort of a precautionary thing. You know, they've kept him out of practice and stuff like that, just ramping him up slowly here, um, ensuring I'm, I'm guessing that they're not trying to stretch those hammies <laughs> too, too thin too early on here. Um, you know, all the reports are that he looks great and spry and uh, in great shape and moving well, so... Nothing to be concerned about there, I don't think. Uh, just a matter of probably getting Serge Ibaka some extra run. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Serge in the game on Sunday against the Blazers and they have Gasol in there as a starting center and have him get some extended run. Um, that kind of feels, if you're going to be working in your back-end guys as well, like Boucher, who played 17 minutes, and Hollis Jefferson, um, it doesn't really feel like it even means all that much if you're going to play Ibaka and Gasol 10 minutes each. Why not get them a half of run and then sort of uh, figure things out from there? Uh, so I'd imagine we'll see Gasol on Sunday in a more extended role, and I'd be surprised, really, if we saw Serge Ibaka play much, uh, which would be a shame because Serge Ibaka kicks ass and continues to kick ass. He had 18 points in this game on 8 of 10 shooting, 2 of 3 from downtown, uh, 2 assists, 3 boards as well, hit the offensive glass once for a really nice offensive putback after a missed Kyle 3, read the ball perfectly off the glass, and I don't know, he's just so consistent, man. He just, he's so automatic and you know, this wasn't a game where you had to rely on Serge Ibaka and that like security blanket pick and pop jumper just because, uh, you know, that the Rockets were playing Rockets defense. It didn't matter all that much, but uh, it is nice to know that he's picking up where he left, where he left off. And, you know, the, the accuracy, the efficiency is all there. And I, I feel pretty confident that that sort of pet play, the pick and pop with him is going to be something they can count on when things get dire uh, in playoff series. You know, whether you want to rely on that as a full-time thing against the Bucks or something, maybe a little bit less uh, excited about that, but I do you think Serge Ibaka is uh, looking pretty good, and that is always a very, very good thing. And then you have uh, Fred Van Vliet, who I thought was really sharp in this game. He, you know, he didn't shoot terribly well, just two of seven. He was two of three from downtown, so not great around the rim. That's kind of always been the struggle for Fred, and that's not anything new necessarily. He did have seven assists, though, which, uh, you know, he's a great playmaker. What are you going to say? He's always been a great playmaker, often leads the team in assists, 
not terribly surprising there. And I thought his first step looked pretty good. While he didn't hit anything around the rim, I thought he got to the rim pretty well. Um, and he, he had a couple sort of cool little moves in the air and stuff like that as well, where, where he sort of would like jump and sort of find a pass while he was in the air. Uh, interesting stuff from him that we don't often see. He's usually kind of more meat and potatoes type of point guard, but nice to see some flash from him. And uh, nice to see. For, it's just nice to see the lads back, man. It's the lads. They're back playing basketball. How could you not love it? It's uh, it's a beautiful sight to behold. I might cry thinking about it, uh, as conflicting as the entire thing is. Uh, and then lastly, among sort of the regular rotation staples, uh, Norm Powell, 12 points, two boards, two assists, three steals. He was outstanding. Uh, just one of seven from three in this game, which I'm not too worried about. It feels like he hit more threes than that. Um, but I just thought he looked so good on the run. He had like a beautiful play where he drove, sort of bullied the guy out of the way with his body, finished with the left hand. And like that's again, sort of the refinement in his driving game that he didn't have years before where it was just kind of a one-trick pony deal with him. Now he's got all these different counters and moves and he's using his body to protect the ball and things like that. And it results in him uh, scoring every single time he gets near the rim, apparently. Um, yeah, he, he looked great. And his defense in this one, he had three steals where he basically just stole candy from various babies' hands. And uh, it, it was wonderful. I think after one of them, he was coming from my own heart as well as he stole the ball, tried to throw it up uh, up court, and then threw it to the other team, uh, and a Rockets player almost scored until Terrence Davis swatted him away. Um, but yeah, Norm Powell was uh, excellent, and it's nice to see him looking great. Defending reigning Eastern Conference Player of the Week, Norman Powell, never forget it. I mentioned Terrence Davis. We're going to talk about Terrence Davis a little bit more at length on the other side, but first I want to tell people about... Locked On Women's Basketball, which is a new podcast that is uh, sort of revamping itself. It's not new. It's existed for a while, hosted by Howard Megdahl, but it is revamping itself as a daily podcast starting on Monday with a wonderful lineup, including Gabe Ibrahim, Amy Otterbert, Lindsey Gibbs, and Erica Ayala joining Howard Megdahl on that show. Basically, an Avengers crew of uh, of women's basketball voices and talent and writers and podcasters, and I can't wait to hear that show. So if you're excited for the WNBA starting up on Saturday, I highly recommend listening to Locked On Women's Basketball. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's wrap up here and have a quick word on Terrence Davis, who... I thought it was excellent in this game and flashed a little bit more in the way of just sort of like kind of taking the bull by the horns than we would typically see from Terrence Davis. He played 19 minutes. He had 15 points, five boards, continues to rebound very well for his position. One assist uh, was just one of six from downtown. I'm not too worried about that. He got to the line six times, which is a nice sign from him as well. He did seem much more eager to drive than he typically would be in this game, and that was beautiful. Uh, and he just like was giving off real like gunner six-man vibes in this game, but not like a one that detracts from your overall efficiency or anything like that, just like one you really want to have. <laughs> and I don't know, it's way too early to pigeonhole him into some sort of role, obviously. He still has a lot of growing and developing and things like that to do and could become a very, very good, useful starter. But 
I think worst case, we're looking at a guy who's going to be a really good off the bench sort of heat check scorer. And, you know, that kind of, I think, is shown in the brazenness with which he fires up threes with dudes in his face and um, just how confident he seems at all times and the way he throws down dunks on people. Like it just he's got that sort of gunner mentality a little bit. And that's something this team doesn't have a lot of just because it's such a team oriented group. But he is uh, a little bit outside of that. And I quite enjoy it. And Look, yeah, again, it's too early to say he's going to be a six-man, but it's nice to know that he has that sort of skill set in his bag. If uh, things don't go well with him sort of developing as a starter, say his defense, for example, remains jumpy and inconsistent and something that Nick Nurse uh, pulls hairs out over, uh, it's nice to know that there's that fallback of just bring him off the bench, have him go crazy because he has that off-the-ball juice. He can you know blow by guys. He had one play today where he blew by Bruno Caboclo and got called for an offensive foul for some reason, but really Bruno got bailed out by this because Terrence Davis absolutely cooked him. And that, that first step he has, the handle he's working on, it's uh, it's really, really great. And never forget, Terrence Davis uh, was on a different team's summer league roster and then was poached by the Raptors because the Raptors uh, can do no wrong, apparently, when it comes to finding young and talented players. And look, it's far too early to say whether or not there was something to draw from this game when it comes to Davis getting the run he did uh, when Patrick McCaw didn't play. I really have no idea what to make of that. But I do hope that a game like this where Davis shows that he you know, can just be a dude who can score for you and do stuff do stuff for you in the half court and work with second units and sort of be a ball handler in the second units a little bit. I hope that sort of inspires Nick Nurse to play Terrence Davis more because I think we could all stand to have a little more Terrence Davis in our lives. Um, yeah, I, I hope we see Terrence Davis get a, uh, a a bigger sort of bump in minutes as we talked about on Wednesday's podcast with Brad. He would be my choice to be the eighth man if uh, I had the run of the team. Obviously, I do not have that, but hopefully Nick Nurse will listen to the podcast and make <laughs> Terrence Davis his dude. Uh, in terms of other guys on the team in this game, sort of lower bench guys, I don't think anything changed in terms of like hierarchy or anything like that. I think you're looking at the same sort of seven guys. You have Davis and McCaw kind of in a dead heat, I think, for those guard minutes. You've got the Boucher, Rondé, Hollis-Jefferson group. Jeff- Hollis-Jefferson was awesome in this game. Super fun, super weird, super volley, downy, but also scored four points with eight boards and three assists uh, and was, you know, just chaotic as he typically is. Um, Matt Thomas, I think, is probably the 12th guy at this point. The three-point shooting is very nice. He hit a three in the eye of somebody. I don't know who some hump in the fourth quarter who was guarding him he just buried it pull up style and it was great I'm sure Alex Wong was swooning and rolling on the floor happy to see that um and he was two or three from downtown in this game that was fun um and then you have you know the end of the bench guys Stanley Johnson boy he's uh it's not good and I feel bad because he's such a whipping boy because he's like the only notably bad player on the team but it's really noticeable when he's out there because everybody else is competent and does have some sort of you know baseline skill at something. They're a specialist shooter like Malcolm Miller or they're a good defender like O'Shea Brissett. They have something. The shooting of Matt Thomas, Stanley Johnson just doesn't have any of it, man. And it's really depressing to watch, frankly. He's a guy I was super high on when the draft was going on and things like that. And it's a real shame he's never figured it out. But it's just so glaring on this team that he is not up to the standard of everybody else. And every time he drove in this game, which you can't blame him. He's trying to like make a name for himself and do something in the small amount of minutes he gets. Every time he drove, he like kicked it at baseline or kicked it away or gave it away. And it was just like very, very tooth pulley to watch. 
it's a shame. Again, he seems like a nice guy. I, I don't want to be too mean to Stanley Johnson, but I find myself ending, ending up being mean to Stanley Johnson anyway because he's just not good. And again, against the backdrop of a very good basketball team, it stands out pretty glaringly. So that's uh, I don't want to end on a bad note. I want to end on a good note. This was fun. <laughs> it was really nice to see the guys back there playing. And Again, all the caveats are built in. This is weird. This is wrong, probably. This is going on in a state that has abandoned all hope of even fighting the virus and just seems to be business as usual when nothing is business as usual. And tests are taking forever to return for regular people while the NBA has tests returning in 24 hours. All of it is very, very messed up and backwards and extremely 2020, I guess, but... The fact that we got to see the Raptors out there, the fact that we got to see them bench celebrating with now props in place as there's like a video board thing in front of them and they have like bigger chairs in which they can use as props. I don't know. It's really fun. The bench celebrations were excellent. Marcus Gasol, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, uh, sort of the, the stars of the team doing their work during garbage time to uh, make themselves heard on the sidelines. That was really cool. And it's just, you know, this team is... Like even in a meaningless scrimmage after four and a half months off, they just exude intense likability, and that has not gone anywhere. That is the sense of normalcy I wanted to see, just this unbelievably likable team that has all these different elements that work together to make this beautiful sort of collection of personalities and characters and just damn good basketball players. And I, uh, I'm thankful that we get to watch them. I'm hoping everybody's staying safe. I'm hoping the bubble integrity maintains itself and this can be seen through because this team deserves to have a finish. This team deserves to close the book in the right way and not have the back part of the book torn out. And, uh, you know, just seeing that tonight, you know, it's going to hurt a lot more now having seen it again. If it doesn't come back, if for some reason this gets derailed, it's going to really, really kick you in the stones if uh if this does not come to fruition because getting to see all those guys back on the court again just uh again and getting to watch it with everyone who listens to this podcast and everybody who just is online you know firing off dumb tweets like that is it's just really special and it was cool to have that element back in my life after a very very long time of not having it so um, shouts to everybody who listens, interacts, tweets, all that stuff. And shout out to the Raptors for bringing entertainment to, again, a, an extremely meaningless scrimmage that uh, was very strange and bizarre and had no fans and, um, you know, video board that didn't have anything. That well, I hope the Raptors do more with the video board. That's my last take. Uh, do more with the video board. Have crowd. Have the Dishes and Dimes crew jump on there to scream at the players. I don't know what it is, but um, make sure you're using that video board thing because they had it. It was just Raptors logos all around. And, uh be creative in the regular season games and the playoffs is all I'm saying. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I have talked myself dry over an hour of doing podcasts uh, because the first one didn't work. But thank you for sticking through this. Really appreciate it. And we'll be back again on Monday. We'll have Big V on the podcast. We're going to talk about the Blazers game on Sunday. And we're going to talk about his excellent piece over at Complex about Marc Gasol, which you should definitely go and check out. Uh, in the meantime, listen to Locked On Women's Basketball, listen to Locked On Blue Jays, listen to Locked On Leafs, listen to this podcast, subscribe to this podcast, rate this podcast, all the things that I ask you to do all the time. It's very much appreciated when you take the time to do that. And with that, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you so much. We will talk to you again on Monday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.